podcast i'm your host as always joshua and sama here to talk to you guys today about your favorite team in major league soccer toronto fc what a win for toronto at bmo field against the chicago fire who have had a very tough start to the season so far despite bringing in shakiri and having arguably one of the best goalkeepers in mls in slonina who is receiving interest from la liga side real madrid um, this was a massive win for Toronto. I'm going to dive right into this game because, you know, I've, I rewatched it already. I've watched the highlights twice. That pulls away a little banger, uh, for the third goal for TFC. Uh, I literally have saved my camera roll and I've been posting it all over Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but with that, let's start with a nice recap of the game because, you know, we're talking now on the Tuesday, the game was played obviously on Saturday, uh, night. And, you know, let's do a little refresher because this game was probably my favorite game of the season so far. I'm not going to lie, despite Toronto FC's performance. Because until the last, like, 20 minutes, this team was out of it after they scored. Um, so, let's start with the 12th minute when Osorio got subbed off due to injury. It looked like it was his hamstring. He was clenching the back of his thigh. That's not good for Toronto, obviously, but it's also not good because... You know, the international break's just on the horizon. Toronto FC, you know, they're going to get this pause here. Um, obviously, you know, these games for Canada aren't, you know, much right now. They did get a game rescheduled. They will be taking on Panama on June 5th. Uh, we all know the stuff with Iran. So, you know, right now it's not really the best time for an Osorio injury, but it's going to affect the national team for sure if it's, you know, a long-term injury. Um, but luckily enough, TFC kind of has a little bit of a window here or a break for him in terms of that purposes. But for Canada, that is troubling. Uh, with that, though, DeAndre Kerr literally scored minutes later on a beautiful strike from outside the 18 into the bottom left corner. This goal was awesome. Slonina got a hand on it, but it was not enough. It just rolled into the bottom corner. Uh, DeAndre Kerr, I've been a big fan of his. He's still young. A lot of fans have to be patient with young players. He's got a tremendous amount of talent. He's got good speed. He's strong for a younger player. He looks like he's ready for Major League Soccer. And, you know, down the line here, he's just going to get better and better. And he's going to be a huge part to this Toronto FC offense. Obviously, I think you're going to see his playing time diminish a bit when Lorenzo Insigne comes over. But DeAndre Kerr looks like he is going to be a very nice piece to this Toronto FC offense long term. Uh, with that, though, McNaughton got subbed on at halftime for O'Neill. This was an interesting move. Obviously, O'Neill. Um, you know, maybe this was a tactical thing. There was some talk about he was a little stiff. Um, but, you know, O'Neal is a guy that I've been very high on this season. You know, despite Toronto FC not having the year that they've wanted so far, he's been really good on the ground, and he's more of a tackle-based uh, central defender. And I thought at certain moments he's done well. Sometimes he hasn't. But bringing on McNaughton, who's had, you know, a pretty all right campaign so far, uh, coming up from the CPL, he just looked a bit off for me today. And, you know, this is another point in the season where I've started to notice that. Um, I think I value O'Neal higher than I do McNaughton right now. 
but you know McNaughton is still young and you know coming from the CPL to being you know an MLS central defender almost full time the way Salcedo's been suspended and you know the injuries to Toronto but you know McNaughton comes on um Carlos Toron scores in the 52nd minute off a cross from Shakiri. This was a tough goal. Obviously, Quinton Westford got the start. When a goal like this is scored, and I'm a goalkeeper myself, you know, it's inside your own six-yard box. I've struggled with this a lot throughout my playing career. And when you get a ball in like that, it's so high in the air and it comes down so quick. It's a weird angle, but Westberg needs to get a hand on that. He needs to get a fist on that because that was right in the sweet spot for Toronto. And he put that into the back of the goal. And, you know, Westberg is a smaller goalkeeper. A lot of people have valued their opinion on that. They don't like him for that certain, you know, reason. I think that's unfair because there's a lot of small goalkeepers in the world that are class. But, you know, that's a, that's one of those where you got to get a hand on it. And I wonder if Alex Bono would have got a hand on it. Obviously, you know, Bono's not miles better than Westberg. It's a very uh, debatable question who should be the number one here in Toronto, which we're going to talk about in a bit here. I just want to get to the recap first. But then after that, uh, Torres scores three minutes after Tehran after finishing a rebound, but VAR ruled offside. Good call. Uh, Toronto FC definitely got lucky. It would have been Tor Torres' first goal in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, Toronto FC got caught ball watching. Uh, Westberg makes a big save in the left corner, and the rebound goes right to Torres, who puts it away, but luckily he was in an offside position. But with that, in the 66th minute, Prisbilko finishes a beautiful volley like off the pitch that finds its way into the back of the goal. This was, you know, a great strike from him. And this is a goal that, you know, it kind of felt like it was coming. Toronto FC kind of played into what the Chicago Fire wanted. Uh, they really took over the game, Chicago. And it just felt like eventually they were going to break the tie because it was just chance after chance. And even after the offside goal, they did not lose momentum. They were just coming and coming. And uh, at this point, it definitely looked like it wasn't going to go TFC's way, which is really frustrating because Pris Belko, you know, he's a good player and all, but they are in a very good team this season, Chicago Fire. And I know Shakiri is such a good player. I have to give him credit. The way he played in this game, absolutely phenomenal. What he can do in terms of creating offense and playing into open spaces and then taking shots as well. He's such an offensive weapon. And, you know, he is the highest paid player in MLS this season. I think that's fully deserved because this guy is a stud and he didn't he needs more pieces with him in Chicago but once they get him these weapons as well he's going to be a huge difference maker and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins an MLS MVP uh, with his time with uh, Chicago so you know I got to give credit there but now we go into where it gets better for Toronto in the 71st minute Toronto was given a controversial penalty uh, you know, Pozuelo was hit at the exact corner of the 18. If you watched it in live play, it looks like it was outside. Trust me, I'm a full non-bias. It looked like it was outside if you watched it in full-time play. But if you slow it down and you watch it in slow-mo, you could see it's just at the corner he clips Pozo. It was literally right at the top of the 18. For anybody that disagrees, you have to go look at the rule book. Yes, he is in possession of the ball inside the 18. That is a clear penalty. VAR went to go check, and it was awarded. And obviously, Pozuelo makes no mistake with it, stapling it into the back of the goal to tie the game up at one. But, you know, then we get to the 78th minute. 
Pozuelo scores a banger bar down in absolutely stunning fashion like stunning fashion this shot was blistering bar down came right outside the goal half of BMO field didn't know if it went in or not it was you know mixed reactions even the players were mixed reactions but it was a bullet and this is what you like to see from the former MVP and you know there's been a lot of talk about Pozuelo and his contract is this his last year with Toronto FC uh, even Bob Bradley was asked about that after the game and he decided not to comment so you know Pozuelo yes he's battled injuries knocks and all that he has slowed down from his MLS uh, MVP campaign but he's still a class player he's still the best player on this team right now until Lorenzo comes and you know he's going to be that difference maker and TFC is fighting for a playoff spot I still think they have a chance if they could stay within reach until Insigne comes there's still games to play though so people have to remember that um, this team hasn't looked great all season long there's been a lot of downs I was really high on them as well but this is a young team you're gonna have tons of ups and downs we saw it this season with the Raptors as well um, Pozuelo though is going to need performances like this if Toronto FC does want to make the playoffs because Pozuelo in tonight's game is the reason they come out with the victory uh, because if Pozuelo is not in the lineup this team loses 2-1 and you know there's no doubt about that uh, but you know with that the full-time whistle goes Reds win 3-2 uh, after the win Toronto FC currently sits 12th in the Eastern Conference they're three points behind Inter-Miami seventh place so they're three points out of a playoff spot here without Lorenzo Insigne I find this really interesting because this is a team we know here in Toronto that a lot of people are you know very devoted fans and they have a really strong fan base and they'll stick with them through the good and the bad uh, and a lot of the mixed reactions I've been talking to with other TFC supporters is they're frustrated and I don't know if it's because the way the team's playing, like obviously the way they've been playing is not lived up to expectations. And unfortunately we haven't seen Lorenzo Insigne yet. And that's a huge reason to why the fan base was so motivated for the season and a lot of the roster turnover as well. But you have to stay patient because this is a young team, right? Jaden Nelson looks like he's taking tremendous steps forward. Marshall Rudy is back on the field practicing. He looks like he's starting to turn the corner as well to becoming a vital player for this team as long as he's here because he's definitely receiving interest from Europe. Uh, Osorio looks like he's, you know, every bit of the Ozo that we know. If we can just get Pozuelo to find his form again, the MVP form, this is a team that has been in the MLS Cup Final two times in three years um you know so this you know two times in the last three years uh and they even won it as well so you know this is a team that has been to mls cup three times now yes it's a completely different roster but you know two times in three years one with Pozuelos, so i keep going back to is because this player that we have here in toronto is class and you know this episode is going to be more directed towards alejandro because this week i've been reading a lot of writers talk about you know He's receiving interest from Europe again and, you know, other teams that would uh, look into Pozuelo. And I just want him to stay. Like, how could he not? I really hope he does. Obviously, you know, the budget TFC will be getting, I'm sure they're going to look for a nice replacement uh, to this club. But still, Pozuelo, I don't think he's done yet. And I know a lot of people are on that wagon saying that, you know, we already got the best from him. The re from everything else from down on out is going to be regression. But I don't think so. Like, a player like him is just so talented. And, you know, he's been so dangerous in small spaces and stuff like that. And 
that's not a thing that you lose with age, really. Um, you know, he's still really controlling when the ball's in his possession. Uh, he always looks for the open guy. He's crucial in the attack. Without him, you know, how many goals would TFC even have this season in terms of the buildup and all that? He's had some ups and downs, no doubt about it. But Alejandro Pozuelo is still the best player, in my opinion, on this roster. Um, and, you know, even if he, you know, age does affect him, he can always transition into a more of a defensive-based role. That's something Bob Bradley has mentioned uh, in the offseason about talking to Pozuelo about coming more two-way this season. And, you know, you can start to see it. Yes, he's, you know, not had the offensive production that we saw in his MVP season to start the season. But, you know, the way he performed on Saturday night, if you're not a huge Pozuelo fan like myself, then I don't know what TFC you're watching because he's world-class and, I'm really excited for what this season has to come when Insigne is here because Insigne and Pozuelo linking up in the attack alongside Io Akinola, Jesus Jimenez, Osorio, DeAndre Kerr, and Jaden Nelson, it is going to be absolutely disgusting. And with the way the wingbacks have performing uh, in terms of offensive production as well, there's only room for improvement with this TFC side. And I don't think the playoffs are too far out of reach. I think it's, you know, unfortunately not in their favor but I still think this is a really good MLS team here and they're tough to beat and that's one thing you have to say about them is they're tough to beat yes they might not be the best team in the league they might not make the playoffs this season but when teams come to play Toronto they are hard to beat and that's really all you can ask from a fresh rebuilt squad here in Toronto that is so young and filled with potential superstars so you know, a lot of people are hard on this team, but after this performance on Saturday night, I don't know how you can remain uh, in the negative. But with that, let's talk about who's the first team goalkeeper now. And this is another important part of this episode. Now, I incline to lean on Alex Bono for now. And yes, Westberg is a better shot stopper, I'd probably say, than Alex Bono, but Bono's play and the other side, like the high ball in that first goal that I mentioned, the cross from Shakiri, it was a weird cross, right? It was in the sky and it came down uh, right into the six-yard box. But I feel like Bono might have got a hand on that. I feel like Bono plays with a more presence. He feels like the team's more comfortable when he's in goal. Um, you know, Westberg, this is probably his last year of professional soccer. Um, you know, he's a really talented shot stopper. And I keep saying that because that's his best ability, in my opinion. Uh, we know the distribution battle between these two guys. I don't think both these guys are, you know, dominant uh, with their, you know, passing out of the back and their clinical abilities. I think you can find better if you're looking in terms of that, but you got to make that choice, right? If you're picking a goalkeeper that's better at it with his feet, then he's a shot stopper. We see that with teams in Europe, right? Some of the best teams in the world, like Manchester City. Ederson is you know, highly regarded, but he isn't a fantastic shot stopper. He's, you know, just amazing with his feet. And, you know, Man City kind of concedes that to take the good out of the footwork and how their system's played. But you got to commit to one because you can't have the best of both because those guys are hard to find. And that's why Ederson's valued so much because he can save shots, although he's not the best at it. But, you know, his passing makes up for it. So, you know, you got to pick. Bono and Westberg are just not my goalkeepers moving forward. I think after this season, it's clear or the next window. I think Toronto FC has to go out and look for another option. Obviously, we know the rumors of Milan Borgen. Yes, that would be really cool to see Borgen here. He's a great goalkeeper as well. We've seen it with the national team. Um, but I just don't know if that's likely. 
Hopefully, though, because that would be amazing. But they do need to go out and find a number one because, like I said, Westberg, you know, he can save stop, like he can save shot, sorry, and Bono as well. But I'm just kind of sick of both of them. We've seen how this has gone years on and years on. Obviously, it's hard to move on from Bono with the contract and all that stuff. So, you know, it's hard to criticize Toronto FC management, but I'm getting frustrated with both of them. I'm not going to lie. As a goalkeeper myself, um, they definitely do need to look at that position. They need to evaluate it. There's really no prospects screaming in the system uh, to, you know, get some starts here down the road. Obviously, you should give them some attempts because, you know, new faces never hurt anybody, especially with a young team like Toronto. And, uh, you know, a homegrown goalkeeper would be, you know, crucial uh, in terms of budget and all that stuff. But I think the goalkeeping position is a huge question mark. I think it's been that all season long. It's frustrating for that. Bono's had some ups and downs this season as well. I think Bono's actually been over-criticized. There's been games, yes, the home opener always comes to mind where he did concede four goals in the first half, but he made tons of saves. Uh, in the second half that even kept Toronto even close to in that game. And then, you, you know, we look at the Columbus game as well. Uh, we look at the New York City game as well. That's another one where in the first half he was on fire. The opening 20 minutes, he was saving everything. And then Toronto FC just broke down. And, you know, obviously the goalkeeper is going to get blamed when they see goals going to the back of the net. But Alex Bono, to me, is my number one. If I had to, you know, say right now, if there was a playoff game, I have to start Bono because Bono... Looks like he plays more of a presence, um, you know, the distribution stuff. This might be his last year here. Who knows? Might be Clinton's last year of soccer in general. But I still think Alex Bone is the number one here. And, you know, making this question mark, I think, is going to be good. Obviously, when you have somebody breathing down your neck to take your spot, uh, motivates you. And I think that's what we need to see happen here in Toronto. I think you need to see competition within the squad because I think that's when you get soccer teams at their best level. But with that, I'm going to finish off with Alex Bono as my number one uh, to finish up this season without a doubt at this certain point uh, with this international break. But with that, since it is the international break, let's just go to Canada talk for a bit here to wrap up this episode. Uh, you know, Canada, we know they're supposed to play Iran. That match was officially canceled, but they did reschedule a game against Panama now. Uh, Panama against Canada will be happening on June 5th. Uh, it's, you know, not the best CONCACAF match for Canada um, obviously you would like to see them play a higher team with higher competition uh, because of the World Cup that will be happening in November you want to see them kind of you know perfect the team's system and performance but Panama's a side where you can give some younger players some minutes um, you know who knows if Osorio is going to be fully fit to play you can test out this looks like a very similar roster to what they used in qualifying that's something you got to give credit to uh, management they brought back you know pretty much all the same faces that's what you want to see obviously the options in Canada are limited compared to you know the top countries in the world um, like France and Portugal and Spain as well so you know the options are limited to who they can recall to make really much of a boost to the to the squad here but Herdman looks like he's going with the same group which I think is good keep the chemistry and the momentum going into the World Cup here with this final break um, you know, they also got a couple more matches coming up uh, after Panama. This is a long break for Toronto FC, but, uh, you know, it's going to be nice to see Canada. I miss watching them play as well. So uh, it looks like it's going to be the same roster. Eustachio is a player that I love to watch. Um, Alfonso Davies is back to full strength uh, in terms of playing, um, you know, 
his natural position. So, you know, I'm excited to see this team, how they do now with Alfonso back. And how can Borgen keep playing? Because he was outstanding in the last international window. So, you know, like I said, I'm a goalkeeper, so I always get hyped to see uh, fantastic performances. And Milan has been insane. Uh, other notable mentions, you know, we can look all over. Jonathan David as well had a really nice window. Uh, last international break, I'm excited to see him. This is a team that, you know, they have a lot of creativity. They're young. They got some speed at certain areas uh, in the lineup. Um, you know, Atiba Hutchinson has that veteran presence to the side. And, uh, you know, he's going to be important when this team heads to Qatar in November. Uh, but with that, since we're talking about Qatar, let's take a look at the World Cup group. Obviously, we know Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. Um, but first up, let's look at Europe and, you know, the competition we're going to be playing. First, let's start with Belgium. And Belgium, I want to start with because obviously they're the favorites in the group here. They're definitely the best team in this group. Um, you know, they were the Euro favorites last summer. Kevin De Bruyne, Thibaut Courtois... Romelu Lukaku, this team, you know, Yuri Telemans all over the pitch is filled with talent. Um, this is their golden age for Belgium. This might be their last shot uh, at a World Cup with this core. So, you know, they're going to go all in. I expect them to be one of the favorites for the tournament in general. But Kevin De Bruyne this week just, you know, won the Premier League with Manchester City. Such a decisive player, so clinical, such a threat. That ball that he played in as Manchester City defeated Aston Villa 3-2 uh, to two onto Ilke Gundogan was just fantastic. You know, he threads the needle. He is a world-class player. I got to say the best midfielder in the world right now. He has been for the last few seasons. He's just, you know, just a weapon. And Lukaku and him always link up when they're together in the national team. And Lukaku had a disappointing season for sure, but for some reason he always comes to perform for his country. And him and De Bruyne are always such a good combination. So, you know, that's something to worry about for sure. We know central defending here in Canada isn't our strength exactly. Uh, so I'm assuming we're going to play with a more defensive-based structure and uh, formation. But, you know, just want to touch on Belgium because they've been – all their top players are in form, and that's dangerous for Canada because we don't know how the season's going to look next season for clubs in Europe because the World Cup is in the middle. Um, it's in our MLS offseason, but it's in the middle of their regular season. So if this is how they're going to ride into the World Cup form-wise, obviously expect them to get in some club competition games because it's way too long to wait until mid-November to late November. But still, right now, the Belgium stars are clicking on all cylinders, and Courtois as well. What a performance in the UCL final. He was absolutely amazing. The only reason why Real Madrid ended up winning the Champions League. Uh, he talked a lot about, you know, the respect on his name. Uh, he, you know, left Chelsea and head over to Real. And a lot of people were on him and all that stuff. A lot of hate, a lot of criticism. Uh, but, you know, he's a wall when he's on his game. And right now it's not looking good for Canada because it's another one of their stars that's really on fire and Courtois is a guy that he plays with swagger as a goalkeeper and you know he's known for using his size one of the taller goalkeepers in the world um, and yeah if you have Courtois playing at his highest level with De Bruyne and Lukaku coming into the side it's a very dangerous team and you know Doku as well as a guy I gotta mention 
nobody really talks about him, but you know, so strong on the ball, got tons of speed, um, very physical. He's another threat the Canadian side's gonna have to watch out for. So he had a good season this year. Those are just my highlights on Belgium so far. As you just look at the international window, uh, Morocco, same for them. You know, this is a team that you know they're well balanced throughout the side. They're very physical. Um, not a ton of you know offensive superstars um but they're really really good in terms of you know holding the ball and kind of playing into what their opponents want from them you know they they're good at holding back they're good at you know taking very little risk but this is a team that they can frustrate you they frustrate some of the best teams in the world morocco is not a team you take lightly so you know i've seen a lot of people um you know say this is a very winnable matchup for canada right now the moroccan national team their players are in current form as well you know they're performing well for their clubs and you got to watch out because if morocco is on their game they know they're the underdogs right now according to multiple analysts in this sport and writers they think canada will finish third in the group don't sleep on morocco don't sleep on morocco mark my words it will hurt you in the long run i would not be surprised if they somehow make it out of this group but now let's look at the last team here and that is croatia and croatia when you bring it up, everybody talks about Modric and his age. They're done. Modric, Modric isn't what he was. All this stuff. I tune that out. People only know Modric from this side. Yes, Croatia is not you know loaded up to you know from top to bottom with superstars, but Modric is still class, and you know he can cut up any midfield that he's going against. We saw what he did with Real Madrid this season. We saw his performances in the Champions League. What he did against Manchester City as well, going against Kevin De Bruyne. These two play very similar games. Obviously, the age difference is, you know, well off. Um, you know, both players were top midfielders at one point. Their playmaking ability is just, you know, ridiculous. And Toronto FC, like I said, they're uh, sorry, Canada. They're gonna have to play with a defensive-based structure. Um, you know, I keep thinking about Toronto FC because of Osorio. How Osorio is going to have to match up in the midfield against these guys. Atiba Hutchinson is going to be crucial for me. Yes, these guys both play a lot with the long ball. So Atiba's pace might not be there for him. He's going to need to drop back off defend off attackers. Because this team right now, um, you know, in Croatia does have some speed. And a lot of people overlook this team because they only know one player. But there's some players on this Croatian side that will hurt you. Because they're playing some of the best soccer right now in europe and you know this international team here in croatia has you know done well in these international games for them so you know they qualified for the world cup for qatar they're a very good side and i think a lot of people have to give them respect because this team has a lot more talent than what people are giving them so i think that wraps it all up for me today folks um just to recap quickly toronto fc uh beating chicago fire 3-2 before the international break um, my number one goalkeeper so far right now is Alex Bono, without a doubt, uh, over the recent controversy with Westbrook getting the last game. Uh, the international break, you know, I just want to see the young guys play. I want to see if anybody can make an impact here down the road now. And, uh, you know, looking at the World Cup group, a lot of our opponents' top players are in form right now. And I'm seeing a lot of Canadian bias towards making another group. And I think people need to, you know, set realistic expectations because right now we're going to need to see what this Canadian side can do in this window, despite the opponents not being the top, um, you know, Belgium and Croatia are certainly going to be ready. These teams know 
you know, the hype around Canada. They've both managers have spoken about that. So this isn't a Canada team that's going to walk into the World Cup unnoticed and surprise people. People know the hype with this Canadian team right now, and you know Belgium knows that firsthand. So you know that's definitely something to watch out for. So that's all for me, folks. Thank you guys again for listening to the Battleborn Reds podcast. I will talk to you guys again after the international break, in which hopefully Canada can get all wins necessary. That's all for me, folks. Go Reds, go, go Toronto FC. We will be back real soon. Mm-hmm.